reminder, the Just Joe podcast is brought to you by EJA Moving Services. Located out of Utica, Rome area, they helped move me a couple years ago. They were fantastic. Check them out, ejamoving.com at 315-335-0516. The Just Joe podcast is brought to you by the Royal Auto Group and Salesman Supreme, Jason Allen. He knows how to make a deal. Trust me, he's a good buddy of mine. I've seen him do it. You guys looking for something new, something pre-owned, something new to you? Take the short drive down 81 to Cortland, New York, to the Royal Auto Group. They have four different franchises there. They have Chevy, they have Buick, they have Nissan, they have Subaru, and they have many lenders for any credit situation. Their service is open for all your vehicle needs, as well as the state-of-the-art body shop. So stop down and see Jason today, theroyalautogroup.com, or find Jason on Facebook and tell him that Just Joe sent you. The Royal Auto Group, home in the no-hassle, razzle-dazzle, $400 referral fee. This is just a reminder that the Just Joe podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors Incorporated. 315-463-0674 for all your hardwood floor needs. Episode 43, 43, 43, 43, season four. I, I call it season four just because uh, there's these little gaps in between about every 10, 15 episodes or so, but uh, not anymore. Not anymore. As you guys heard, I have sponsors in the beginning of this thing, uh, Royal Auto Group, Advantage Hardwood Floors, and EJA Services, which is a moving company located out of the Utica, Rome area. I appreciate those sponsors. They help me be able to turn the lights on in this studio to be able to do this, uh, pay my producer, Cody Mack, and things are going to just get better. This podcast is going to grow. The other podcast I'm going to launch pretty soon is going to grow. I'm loving podcasts. I love talking to people. Um, as I've gotten older, I realize I've met a lot of cool people along the way. You know, I've met a lot of cool people in this journey, not just in the music industry, but just in life in general. And something that gets me really excited is to sit down and have one a good conversation. I think everybody can sit down. If you got a good mentally stimulating conversation, man, it is one of the best things ever, especially when you get to talk about music. For me, I love talking music. I love talking about people's journey in music because man, it is always different. Nobody's journey is the same, not even close. It's like a snowflake, right? They're supposed to be all different. Um, so again, I've met some awesome people along the way. This guest included. Uh, I first heard of his band called Dropbox back in, I want to say, was it 2003, 2004? I heard a song called Wishbone and I was like, who is this? It was a killer riff. And then the singer came in and I'm like, God damn, the boy can sing. A few months later, they passed through Syracuse opening for Godsmack. We'll talk about their connection with Godsmack in a little while. My friend messaged me, I think, on MySpace because we were on the road. Brandon was on the road, and he's like, I met the singer from the opening band Dropbox at this bar after the show at the Landmark, and we got talking about Brand New Sin. And I was like, well, he knows who Brand New Sin is? And then from there, I don't even know how we ended up becoming friends, but we did, and ever since, we've been kindred spirits and brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm bringing on my good friend, John Costco. We're going to talk music. We're going to talk life. We're going to talk whatever may come up. Ladies and gentlemen, John Costco. There he is. There he is. Good morning, brother. Good morning. Are you, are you up and up and alive? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One cup of coffee. I, dude, I don't drink coffee. Would you believe that? Really? No. I, well, you're, yeah, it's all different for you now. I mean, I have to have it. Just Even if it's just the smell of it, and I'll just take two sips. Really? Just it's It's a mental thing, huh? It is a mental thing. It's the aroma. <laughs> I like the smell of it. I like it when it's in food. You know, like the taste of it, like if it was ice cream or some kind of like baked good or even, you know, some kind of sprinkle. I like it like that way. But like, man, my dad, my dad was a guy. He would drink coffee. He would brew a pot, drink a cup of coffee and go to bed. I just I will just grind it just for the smell of it. <laughs> that's awesome dude i'm actually been in quarantine since last wednesday i f- caught the vid at the freaking black label show last friday are you serious Dead serious dude <laughs> oh my gosh so the selfie with uh with jd did you call him <laughs> <laughs> no man i was just like you know what it was it was either i went to a show the night before i went to go see this uh guy named ryan Montblue. he's a singer songwriter mm-hmm. and that show was kind of busy but i could keep my distance but that show with black black label was like a thousand people packed in this club that was like literally a concrete bunker there was no windows just concrete walls concrete ceiling concrete floors and i'm sitting in there going oh dude this isn't gonna end (laughs) at all crazy all the venues have such different um you know protocols and stuff like that we just went to go see in this moment and um they i mean the the check-ins were crazy like there's like three different like check-ins and you had to show your card and blah blah blah. And I'm I'm not vaccinated, but I yeah, obviously just just wore a mask in there. But yeah, but it was it was crazy. Yeah, I yeah, I woke up. It was a couple of days later. I went. I came home. I played like this gig last Sunday, and then I was like. I come home, I'm like, man, I feel a little off, but all last week I was hiking. I went, I was in the mountains. I did like 30 miles of hiking on my own. And like, I thought, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just run down. I've been running all, yeah, over, right. running all over New York state. I think I'm fine. And I wake up Monday, I'm sneezing like crazy, stuffy. I'm like, ah, oh, allergies. I was in the al- altitudes, all this stuff. I felt so there's no, so there's no fever for you right now. No, I had no fever, had no, none of the chest congestion, none of the stuff that they tell you about. It literally just felt like my allergies. Cause I get allergies around this time, elite time of year. So yeah. it's like, well, you know, maybe it's just my allergies, but then the next day my body kind of hurt. And I'm like, well, dude, my body hurts all the time from like, from working out constantly and running and all this shit. So I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm still working out. I'm still going to the gym. Like, you know, but then Wednesday I wake up, I'm like, man, I'm going to take it easy today. I don't feel, I feel off. And then all of a sudden I couldn't smell anything. And I was like, Oh, sh-. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> Dude, tell me that's not the strangest feeling ever. Dude. It was like, what had happened was I put all this eucalyptus and all these, um, I have essential oil diffusers all through my house. I'm like, I'm just going to freaking eradicate this house, get myself clear. And like 30 minutes after uh, they came on, I'm like, did they shut off? And I went over and put my face right over the top of it. And it had eucalyptus, lemon and like peppermint in there. And I'm like, I can't. You got none of it. None of it. And I'm like, oh, shit. That's such a crazy feeling, dude. And I was so hungry when I, I had COVID way back in March. Me too. I'm and, uh, starving. Yeah, I was so hungry. I'm like, nothing is satisfying. And it was just like, and I'm trying to eat like the most 
tasty shit to like fucking grapefruit and fucking <laughs> just like any kind of citrus just to see what my taste buds will do and nothing. I felt like I was eating wax. Yeah. I mean, it's coming back a little bit, but I mean, the most part, it was just really stuffiness. I had a little bit of body. I never got any of the bad stuff. Thank God. But uh, I mean, I, you know, I take good, good yeah, care me either. of it. Good care of myself. I think that's what, you know, let's talk about, you know, I tell people, man, they can talk about everything that they want you to do, but they don't tell you that like, Hey man, maybe not putting garbage into your body and taking care of yourself might be a good defense too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, so luckily I've weathered it. What's driving me crazy is just being, I don't mind just being in my house. I'm doing that most of the time now with my life. But like when you, you can't go anywhere, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you can't see anybody. And I haven't seen my daughter in like, you know, like, I haven't seen her in like two weeks as I was on vacation. So I haven't seen her. So that's kind of driving me nuts. But, and her birthday's, and her birthday's tomorrow. So I'm like, ah, you know. Well, welcome to the world we live in, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's super strange. Super strange. I feel strange. so, you know, bad for the kid. You know, my I have a seven and four. And uh, when this whole thing started, I just felt so bad for them because they were really uh, starting to thrive, like in school and making friends. And uh, it's been such a strange, you know, transition. You know, I, we made sure we kept them in touch with their friends on, uh, you know, video chats and stuff like that. And, you know, we had them make, make each other things and send them over and just to keep that sort of, you know, relationship. <clears throat> but it's so, it's sad for them, you know, it makes me actually angry for them for all the kids you know i i agree i agree man but you know i mean every generation's got some kind of crazy thing to face and this is going to be theirs and yeah i guess right i mean the the perspective that they're going to have it's like i don't think they realize what the hell's going on but when they look back they're going to be like man we we lived through that you know or yeah you know they're going to tell their kids or we're going to have these conversations at like you know some kind of holiday and be like remember that remember that year yeah those two years or whatever so yeah absolutely but but on a happy note man how how's life how's the tat how's the tattooing how's music we got to get a lot we got to cover a lot of shit man i already did the intro so we already told i told everybody who you are and everything and i was like man i don't remember exactly when we met in person but I remember hearing of the band. I remember hearing Dropbox Wishbone. And then I remember a friend of mine, as I said in the intro, seeing you guys open for Godsmack in Syracuse. And they MySpace messaged me because we were on the road. They're like, dude, I saw this band last night. And then I ended up having a couple of drinks with the singer. And we got talking about your band. You know, and he's like, he's a, fan, <laughs> he's a fan of your band. I'm like, he does. He knows who I am. You know, so. And I don't. I even, feel like we met. You guys played. We went to go see you guys in um, at the one of the big top Stone Pony shows. Uh, you guys were with Black Label and yeah, two thousand two fall yeah, two thousand two. Yeah. That's right. We went down there and um, it was a it was a great night. I mean, I, we were bullshitting for a little bit. Uh, we were. I was hammered, but yeah, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the almost. Was that the end of that tour? That was the last official date of the tour. And then the next day we drove from the Stone Pony to Loca Bazooka. That was the last like date of that tour. And dude. Okay. So you played the year before we played Bazooka. Oh God. That, that tour with Black Label in 2002. Yeah. It was fuzzy. Cause that was when Zach yeah. was still. Yeah. He was still, he was still drinking beer. Oh, a lot of it, man. 
Because <laughs> the next time we went out on the road in 2005, Barbara Ann like really made uh, um, an attempt to make sure that Brand New Sin and, and Zach wouldn't hang out that much. <laughs> like dead serious. Like she's like, we can't have these. We can't have these guys hanging out that much. Yeah, Godsmack wound up doing that for a while too. They were they were going dry for a little bit backstage uh, on the Shine Down tour. There was there was just no booze. So every time that we were hanging out and when they were coming through town, <clears throat> um, we, we would just bring like a flask of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. Let's let's go back. I mean, we'll talk a little bit of history, but me on this podcast, I don't want to like, hey, let's talk about your career. I would like to get into just topics and see where the where the things go. But I mean, Dropbox was how things happened for you, but that all yeah. happened. And and I'm I'm just from the history is that Lee, your guitar player in Dropbox, was was he in Godsmack? And that's how. Yeah, he sure was. Yeah, yeah. right. He was the original guitar player, and then I don't know what that's had right. happened, but then. Go ahead. Tell me, come to, tell me the story. of how Yeah, no, he, um, yeah, he went up, um, having to leave the band. Um, he, he found out he was, uh, a dad and, uh, he did the right thing and, and took that hiatus right there, right before they were really like, like discovered. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, they had kept in touch, blah, blah, blah. And, um, uh, when I had met, Sully, man, we went to go see Godsmack and Deftones, and I think Puddle of Mud was on that tour too. And um, I had met Sully backstage, and we were bullshitting about uh, uh, motorcycles or something like that. We're just sitting by the uh, by the bay, and um, at Jones Beach Theater, and um, he's like, "Dude, it was like a half an hour goes by, and he's like, what, do you want a band?'" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, well, "Why don't you tell me?" <laughs> Like, I was like, you know, I just, I'm not like the kind of guy that's like, dude, listen to my demo, man. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, so it's just, that's an annoying thing. So, um, but he, I think he appreciated that. He's like, dude, check it out, man. I'm starting a label through Universal and I'll take a listen. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I ran to the parking lot back and uh, got the CD, ran back through. By that time, he was uh, escorting, uh, few ladies on the bus <laughs> right figured i would i figured all right well that that's that <laughs> Miss, Miss, but, uh, he Miss wound Marwin. up uh, calling me a few weeks later that's crazy and that's uh, it's crazy it's crazy but was lee in your band at that time or was that you know no he he introduced me he when he called me he said listen man i, I want to introduce you to uh you know a friend of mine and uh He's a guitar player. He was in my, he was in God's Max, you know, uh, the original lineup. And uh, I want you guys to, you know, get together and do some writing. So we want to just form the band around that. I mean, I had guys that I've known and trusted for, you know, years, uh, you know, locally. I'm like, all right, let's, you guys want to do this. <laughs> so we, uh, we all got together. We lived in an A-frame house and uh, the bass player's house for like over a year writing. And uh, we made a record. And we made a record. And it came out. Made a record. It came out. And you toured the world. And then it... Oh, well, we toured the country. Toured, yeah. yeah. You guys never... Yeah. That that was like Brand New Sin. We had a record label that was based out of Germany, one of the biggest independent labels in the world. But yeah, they brought us to the UK once. <laughs> 
wild. It's like, what? We're on this label. That like, dude, if I could tell you the tours that we had to turn down in Europe, I wonder if our band would still be a, a functioning band. You know? I know. There are so many avenues for all of us that we, that just didn't happen. Well, let's, um, let's, for instance, there yeah, was, I was one say, tour give me, that, give, give me an example. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just so crazy to think back at me. And, and, and I don't look back at it like, you know, with any negativity because <clears throat> then you're just like, but what if I did this? Man? Right, you, know, right. you know, there's no, there's no depression there. It's just, wow, that's a cool story. But there was a, there was a time where we were going to do like a shine down breaking Benjamin tour with oh. Dropbox. I mean, it was, there were talks about that and I was just thinking like, wow, like I'm watching shine down, like really fucking launch out there. And I knew right from the beginning, dude, uh, you know, that that was a fucking important band, um, in, in, in rock history and active rock and just music in general. Yeah. Um, you just, you can tell, man, you know, you, you, you just, it, there's that standout everything and they had it. Damn. Especially with breaking wow. Benjamin, because I mean, if you want to talk about when it comes to active rock radio bands of the past 20 years, shine down and breaking Benjamin <laughs> three days. Yeah, grace And yeah. three days. Grace yeah. is probably the, the only three that just like are freaking at the top of that in that, in that world. Jeez. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you look back on that, that was like us. I think our biggest, there was two of them that were supposed to be in the, one was the UK and in Europe. One of them was Motorhead wanted to bring us over and do their, um, they do like stadium, like a arena tour every year. And they wanted to bring us over in November and December. And our label was like, well, we don't have distribution over there. Our first label, we don't have distribution. We're like, find it. <laughs> we'll bring them over in our suitcases, like whatever we got to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was, uh, stone sour and saliva. And then a couple others were all the life. Uh, we had the same manager as life agony and life agony wanted to keep bringing us over there. And we just couldn't freaking go. Cause our label wouldn't pay for it. Crazy. We're, Crazy. Like, we're like, dude, like just, and the one time we did go over there, we did the UK with Soil and Godhead and Lennon. And we sold more merchandise in that three weeks than we did in any tour ever. We came home with money from merchandise. We had to order That's merchandise crazy. halfway through that tour because we were literally, we were out selling, some nights we're out selling Soil, the headliner. In merchandise, I'm talking like three, four, five, six thousand dollars in merchandise a night. I'm like, if I go, people used to buy merch too. It was crazy. (laughs) I know. Well, I saw someone put up the other day that they're like, man, we just paid X amount for a concert ticket. I think they're going to see the Stones. You know, obviously probably six, seven hundred dollars. You know, for concert tickets for the two tickets, and they had to pay a hundred dollars for parking. Yep. And they're like, how the hell does a band make any merchant? Like, when do you have any money left for to buy a merchandise? And I'm sure to show like that, the merchandise is probably like $65 a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, what you expect when you go see the big, the big tickets. Like, you know, when you go see ACDC, you're like, oh man, I hope they have like a really cool shirt. <laughs> One shirt. Yeah. With well, like a simple logo on it and not like a whole bunch of crap on it. 
Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's when, when I saw Black Label and Obituary and Prong last week, I bought one shirt from each of them, you know, and they were reasonably priced. You've got always got a price match with Black Label, but, you know, Black Label yep. doesn't ever overprice their shit. You know, it's $30 yeah. a t-shirt and stuff like that. So, you know, Black Label, they're like, it's it's like a freaking, it's a store. It's not just a merch booth. It's a freaking store, yeah. man. I mean, that's one thing that Zach and... uh and that company has always done is made sure that 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 merchandise is a gigantic part of that business and brand. Yeah. You know, they were, they were so smart with that whole vision of what he saw with that band is and stuff. So, yeah. So, so are, is, I know a couple of years ago, Dropbox was doing a, you had like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter that you were going to do another record or you're going to finish some songs. What, where's the, what's the status of that? Where are you, where are you at with that with Lee? Yeah, we tried really hard, man. Um, we actually still have a whole bunch of songs. Um, <clears throat> so with that, it just wasn't, it wasn't generating as quickly as, as we had hoped. And that's just the reality of, um, of, of where you're at, you know, with, having no promotion and um you know we dropbox always kind of flew under the under the radar you know with that with everything um so it was hard to uh promote it just you know with the band guys um we were close we were super close but it just wasn't hitting it you know for the timeline and uh so we said you know what screw it we'll just do it on our own eventually and just do an ep which you know, the possibility is still there, you know, Lee and I still send songs back and forth for years, but, uh, I'm literally just so focused on, on this new band that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so exciting. You know, I I just can't even think about any other projects. Yeah. I mean, well, being, being one, let's face it, your dad, you know, you, yeah. you have a family, you have a business, you know, as a tattoo artist. And so that alone, how much more time do you have in your life to like an hour yeah, in no, a day? I, That's really what it comes down to. And you, you know, you know, more than anybody, like you're just, you're always writing. And, you know, even when like you're about to fall asleep or when you're waking up or <laughs> at the driving worst, at like, the worst possible times that you need the to be worst writing. Possible right. times you're like, fuck man, I, I'm never going to remember that riff or melody or, and so that's the, that's the painful part of, I guess, being who, who we are, but it's something that, you know, uh, thank God for iPhones. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, mem- I think the memo thing gets filled up so much on mine because I'll so just much. S- say that on there or, you know, sometimes I'll use the note thing. I mean, thank God for that because I had friends that used to dr- walk around with like those little notepads in their back pocket, you know? And just, yeah, dude, some rehearsals literally, you know, it are spent drinking beer and listening to memos and throwing out the trash and being like, okay, maybe that's, that's got potential. So we can dump, you know what I mean? We could fucking dump our, our, our memos out, you know? Yeah. But that's literally it. Cause we're just going through so many ideas constantly constantly well okay so is this then okay let's let's get this timeline so so anyone's listen then there was saint cain right yeah is yeah, this still is, is this saint cain or is this something else are you talking about this project this is something else yeah this is rebel at dusk saint cain was probably one of the greatest 
bands that I've ever been a part of. Um, it's, we were a strong fucking band. Um, I agree, man. I remember hearing the demo. I think I heard some of the demos before you even gave me some of the demos. I think it was with soil. I think I might've been with Sean glass uh-huh. and Sean was listening to something on the bus. on one of the tours that we were doing together. I'm like, What's this? He goes, it's Costco's new band called St. Cain. I'm like, Jesus is badass. There was, even- yeah, it was a fun time too. I mean, we, uh, we did two records and, uh, we did a bunch of tours with Godsmack too, just cause you know, my relationship with Sully, but, um, we went out and, and played it, I think too. Um, I think production wise on the last record was, uh, was, uh, was great. Um, we worked with Warren Riker and we, uh, we even had Troy Sanders from Mastodon come on, uh, do a track too. And, um, it, you know, it's funny because like you're thinking, all right, man, you know, this is, this is the time for us right now. And, um, you know, and when it doesn't really hit, you're just like defeated. You feel defeated sometimes, but, but that, um, that's, I love the record still. No, the, the great record. The thing, the thing is, I mean, it, it's rock bands, man. It's like, it's it's very hard to hit in this business as we know, but to do the genre that we do with those styles of music is, is extremely hard to break through because like, where do you break through, you know, because active rock radio really is still playing the same bands they've been playing for about 15 years, you know? Uh, and even so, and I've had this conversation with a couple of guests here on, on the radio and one of them or on, on this podcast. And we're saying that the radio, even if you hear a band, cause I work for the radio station up here, K rock. And mm-hmm. even when I hear a band getting a ton of airplay, I'm like, wow, this band's getting a ton of airplay. And then they come to town and you figure like, Oh, they're going to sell the club. They're getting played all over this radio station. And yeah. there's like 150 people at the club. And you're like, what's for all this airplay that they're getting? This is all they. This is all they draw. That's, that just goes yeah. to show you how small that market is. And like 150 people for a band blowing up on the radio, so to speak, that's like, no, okay, this is, if this is where you peeking out, then, Oh, this is, this can be short lived. Yeah. It's, it's so weird, man. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, I remember, uh, we did a, a, a tattoo convention years ago. I think it was, Oh, seven, eight and drowning pool had played this tattoo convention and there was like fucking 12 people that were sitting there. And I was just like, wait, 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 <laughs> hold the fuck on. <laughs> this is, it, this is not, it, it wasn't that they didn't draw cause there was people like everywhere else. But like, I think it was just a bad gig for them to be doing for the time that they were doing it. Yeah. I, I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, this is a band that used to fucking pack the place and people would go rabid for, for, you know, you know, for their, for their songs on and off the radio. And like, why are they doing this gig? Because <laughs> someone paid them. Someone was paying them a lot of money. I'm sure they got paid handsomely for something like that. And then, you know, because I mean, let's face it, drowning pool, probably one of the biggest hits of that genre. To this day, yeah. to the, I mean, they're still, those dudes are paying their mortgages because of that song still, you know? <laughs> yeah. The license. Here's the thing. You, all you need is that. You need that one tune. If you get that one song. What I've been you know, told. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I think about it because we had one song placed in School of Rock. We had those brief appearances. I have to tell people like, this is where you pause it and you can see my head here. And, you know, we're in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the biggest thing about that movie is there's two and a half minutes of our song being played. You can't hear it. It's so buried in the background. But Jack Black and the people were like, well, we want to get one of your songs in the movie. It'll help you guys along the way. Yeah. And it wasn't so much exposure. Like everyone's going to hear the song and be like, oh my God, what is that? They knew that like, if this movie became big, we would get you know, royalties. And I tell you what, the money I make off of that, and I have to split that. That was, that was six writers on that song. Cause we had six people in brand new sin. And we were always like, yeah, Hey man, we're going to one for all, all for one split it six ways. Plus I, plus the label gets a portion of that because we had a pub deal. So you're thinking we cut that seven ways and I know how much money I make off that a year, which isn't a lot. But I mean, if I owned all of that, that would be a good chunk of money because that yeah, move yeah. that movie is still a hugely popular movie. And I'm like, that's you do those math in your head. And that's what I'm saying. Going back. Like if you have like one song and you can get it synced licensed and all that stuff, man, you can do all right. There's still hope. Well, I, think that's where, I think that's where we're at now as far as just focus. I mean, um, you know, Sully, you know, wants to be a, a big part of where we're headed right now musically. So, um, he's being really hard on us uh, as far as, you know, co-producing. And um, so it's a lot of work. I mean, we just, we just constantly write and we're sending ideas back and forth and, you know, he's critiquing it and, you know, saying pilot over here, let's put this one over here. You know, um, it's just, he's at a good place right now where, uh, you know, God's made it really well in that last record. And um, so, after all these years, you know, he calls me up and says, you know, let's, uh, let's do some writing, man. You know, I think it's time. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I wish he called me 10 years ago, but. <laughs> the Just Joe podcast is brought to you by EJA Services, a moving company located out of the Utica, Rome area, but servicing all of central New York and beyond. Let's face it. Moving can be stressful. Relax and let the reliable movers take care of tasks for you. From antiques to electronics to home decor items, they have the experience and the equipment to ensure your items will arrive at their destination unblemished and on time. They can move everything from your apartment, condominium, townhouse, single-family home, or office with ease. Competitively priced movers in Utica, New York. Again, they service all of something New York beyond. Moving help, relocation services, office moves, complete packaging services, unpacking, loading services. You know what? Maybe you bought some new items for your office or your home. Shouldn't have to stress about that because they can deliver those things too. Contact their moving and delivery specialist to help you have the new furniture, art, piano, items delivered. Visit their office at 9772 River Road in Marcy, New York, or call them at 315-335-0516. That's 315-335-0516. Or go to their website, ejamoving.com, and tell them that Just Joe sent you. Me just jumping in here just to remind you, just to remind you that the Royal Auto Group and Jason Allen are a sponsor of this amazing podcast. Thank you, Jason. RoyalAutoGroup.com. That is RoyalAutoGroup.com. 
The Just Show podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors. And my good friend Charlie, when it comes to hardwood floors, nobody better in the central New York area than him. He's been doing it his entire life. I mean entire life. You've walked on floors that he's probably done. You've seen floors. You've seen basketball probably played on those floors. You just ripped up some carpet in your house, realized you got these beautiful hardwood floors underneath it. You want to make them look good? Call Charlie. Call Charlie at 315-463-0674 or at AdvantageHardwoodFloors at gmail.com. But it's still great that after all these years that you've known him and that, you know, chance meeting and all that stuff is like, you know, you still have that relationship with someone like that. And, it's, and that says a yeah. lot. That says a lot about him. I think I only met, I think I met Sully once and we opened for them right before I left Brand New Sin. It was like, it was Right before I left Brandon, said we had opened for them here at the Landmark in Syracuse. And, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came up. Yeah, he's, you know what, dude? <clears throat> um, I love the guy. Um, you know, we're super close, man. You know, he knows I'm honest with him. He's honest with me. Um, you know, he's probably one of the greatest dudes ever to be in a studio with. Um, it's, it's just very exciting. He, you know, the guy gets so excited. He wants to jump over the chair and drop kick you in the face when you're <laughs> like, you know, when you're like, you're, you're singing a part and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, that's what I'm looking forward to when we finally get in the studio. But, um, you know, we want to do this for years. So it's time, it's man. Kinda, it's time. And, and here's the other time. thing about a rock. Like we can say that it's like, it, it could be dead or it's like, it's hard to break through, but, doing our genre of music, it never gets dated. You know what I'm saying? Like if you hear like pop songs from 2005 or pop songs from five years ago, that stuff kind of sounds dated. Whereas rock, man, I mean, you listen to Dropbox or you listen to the original early, early brand new sin, that stuff still yeah. stand, it still stands up. All those bands. Yeah. No doubt about it. You know, it's, it's so weird because if you played brand new sin stuff right now, um, over the airwaves, you know, uh, on Octane or whatever, um, it would be like, oh shit, who's that new band? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that holds out hope when you're like working on a project like this. You're like, man, am I getting too old? Because I mean, there's times you're probably like, man, I'm I'm in my forties, and like, you know, who's gonna who's gonna listen to this? But it's like, no, no, no. This there that that market is always gonna be there. It's just not gonna be the way you envisioned it twenty years ago. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just different. It's such a weird, it's a weird time right now, man. It's, and it's good to have you know people like you know Jose uh, Amin, and you know yeah. he's such an, an uh, huge advocate for for pushing bands and stuff like that. And he's so genuine, dude. It's, I, I've really never met more of it uh, uh, in the industry. Such a genuine dude, man. I mean, the guy is just a, a gem. I agree. Um, it's so crazy because you could be, he could be you know, pretentious and, and, and pompous, you know, like most of these guys that are, that are running this thing, but, um, you know, he, he's just not like that. I, I can, I can attest to that. Cause I remember the first time we ever did, like, we went to New York city and we were down there just doing like press and everything. We're hopping from, like we're at Music Choice for a couple hours. Remember that Music Choice? Is that still yeah. a thing? We're over yeah, there. I talking. don't know, man. I hope so. <laughs> right. I we were over there and we were just hitting all these places. And the last stop was at, at was at Sirius or XM. I don't even know what it. Which I think it was just Sirius or whatever. It was. Yeah. So we went over there and we were to. I still got the interviews. Uh, I think Jose ended up giving them to me on CD. 
of us going yeah. up and meeting with, with Jose and man, I'm like, wow, this dude is like, he's legit. At first I'm like, dude, this dude is way too excited about things. Is he full of dude, shit? So excited, <laughs> man. And, it, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, it is exciting. It is exciting, but and I'm like, all right, maybe he's just blowing it up because he's on radio or this is his thing. But then when we got to know him, then I was like, no, this yeah. dude is this dude is legit. Like he's just, <laughs> he's so happy that this is what his job is in life, you know. And all these years later, yeah, 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 yeah. And this is like, this you is what if I get you to don't do? know the guy, like his infectious smile will make you yeah. write a song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's helped so many bands and he's helped. Let's, let's face it, man. There's, there's times he's been able to go out on a whim and help a band that like, it wasn't even on a label and got yeah, them, yeah. got them like w- what a cool, he had the power, he has the power and he's using it correctly. So like kudos to Jose for, you know, just being a badass, you know? Yeah, so many absolutely. levels and a proponent like he's waving that flag harder than probably anybody you know it was it was like that back in the day for fuse like you know our good friend julia you yes. know you know jewel you know she's i was gonna she was say like her that too in a way i was gonna say that too because we went <laughs> we did an interview with jewel one time and she's like where are you guys going now and like we just did fuse in the studio and we're like, oh, we got to go do something. She's like, ah, I'm going over to smoke a joint with Jose. I was going to say, why don't you guys come? Yeah. You're like, we were all going to meet up. And like our, our PR guy's like, no, we got to get to wherever. You guys don't have time to go. But Jules, <laughs> Jules the same way. I think, I think we, I think Jules loved us and was also scared of us at the same time. <laughs> Cause you know how Brandon said, what dude, we were like, we we're, we we're a little, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little unhinged, and we were we came in one morning hammered to do an interview with her, and we were at the Trocadero in Philly. Yep. And we we're upstairs, you know that bar upstairs that they also did shows. There was a stage upstairs at the Trocadero. Yep. And we're upstairs doing the interview, and she's just talking to us. And my c- guitar player Kenny, in the middle of the interview, just hauls off and slaps me as hard as he can right across the face in the middle of the interview. <laughs> Because we had this little thing called Slap Club, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he got me and she's sitting there going, she's, everyone in the set is looking like whatever. And we just kept going like it was nothing. And they're like, what the fuck just happened? And it made all these highlights on Fuse. It kept, <laughs> they would, they would make a thing where it was, whoosh, whoosh, and it was just repeating my face getting just cuffed by my guitar player. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she was always like, I don't know really what I'm supposed to do when I'm around you guys. That was a good, that was a good time in music too. I, I, I love these. We, we did the Fuse interview with, with Jules and it was definitely a highlight in my, in my career for sure. Um, and then ironically, <clears throat> we did this tour with Seamless. Yeah. That Jules, uh, uh, was hosting, um, I think it was every night or every other night or something like that. I forget. Um, but, uh, yeah, Derek was like, Hey dude, you guys, you guys want to come out and do this, you know, this little, it was like five dates or something like that, but it was pretty cool, man. Man, that was, that was a fun time. Like you, you think about it now, like there's, you hear a bunch of these like bands now, these like rock bands. And like, do you think that like our bands, like were just a little too soon? <laughs> Because like, um, you think that some of this rock that I hear now are like this push towards more straight up rock and roll. 
is happening? I don't know, man. I mean, there was a lot of outlaw stuff going on with, uh, with our bands. I mean, I, I think that we could have really, uh, um, if we all got in one, could you imagine if all those bands like Dropbox and or, or, or St. Kane, you know, we just kept doing these tours with uh, brand new sin and, um, and, and bands like that. We, I mean, that's some pirate shit right there. Yeah. If, if, if only one of us had like enough money to fund it until it broke. <laughs> Cause that's what it comes down to. It's like, man, who's got the money to just to keep us going a little bit, you know, or the right agent to be like, all right, we're going to get you guys all enough money to be able to, you know, at least make it to town to town. Yeah. You know, so, but it's, it's, it's crazy. But like I said, it doesn't matter. Like there's still, still an opportunity. Like, I mean, I want to do a rock project at some point again, but like my career right now is so solo based. Cause that's just where the money's being made, you know? So yeah. until I can do, I mean, right before the pandemic, we were starting to write some brand new sin stuff. Cause we did the reunion show in 2019. We're like, Oh man, man, let's, let's write some stuff. We didn't have any delusions yeah. of grandeur, but let's write. And we started yeah. writing and we we're, got demos going and then all of a sudden, you know, pandemic hits and you know, everything kind of went out the window. Yeah. Don't give that one up, man. We want to hear that. No, no, no. There, it, it, at some point it will. Cause that, and the other thing is we were so prolific at writing. We have literally 40 or 50 songs that are almost done that just sat on the floor. Cause that second record we did recipe for disaster. We wrote 80 songs for that record. 80 yeah. fucking songs. Cause we had a label that was like, Nope, give us another one. Give us, another. they wanted us to yeah. write a hit. And we were like, maybe we can't write a hit. Can we just put a fucking record out? You know? Well, that's why, I mean, you know, we've been, I've been doing it so long one way, you know, even with St. Kane, you know, we just, some people just need that, uh, that, that producer ear. Um, like I think those songs are great. You know, maybe it's that one element, um, that you have to sort of, you know, put your guard down and allow someone to come in and say, let's just flip it this way or turn it this way. And, yeah. um, you know, and that's, that's totally fine with me. I mean, like I said, doing a soul on one way, you know, let somebody else come in and, and, uh, you're not giving them control. It's just, you're relinquishing, you know, some of that fucking tight hold that you have on something. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, you're, 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 as we always say, you're like, you're, you're, you're married to it and it's hard for you to even have any perspective because whether it's a song that you wrote last week or a song that you've been working on for a year or it's been lingering, it's like, how do you even have perspective or ears on it? You know? And then you get somebody that really does have that ability to do something like that. Like we worked with a few good producers along the way, you know, we worked, we our guy that we did our first two records with was great. He was a local guy uh, we worked with Joey Z, uh, but Joey Z was still relatively in the early stages of becoming a producer. Um, yeah. And the only guy that we really worked with that was somewhat of a producer, but he was more of a songwriter is this guy, Tony Battaglia, who wrote, um, he was the one that they put Brent with from Shinedown when they signed Brent and they're like, all right, well, we'll we're going to work with you. And McGathy is like, all right, go work with this guy in Florida, Tony yeah. Battaglia. And he, they wrote 45 together. They wrote, you know, they wrote a, a bunch of those first two albums together. And we worked yeah, with, him, we worked with him, 
but he was mainly a songwriter, you know, and we worked with that guy and those songs never saw the light of day because the band was imploding at that point. But it was like, shit, man, if we had only gotten, you wonder what what happens when you finally find that producer. It doesn't have to be an A-list producer, just somebody that has that ability, you know, that's it. And you, you're, you can let you and your bandmates can let that ego go on the song and be yeah. like, listen, I'm going to let this guy pull the song apart and put it back together again. Yeah. It's, it's, there's this fine line between confidence and ego. And, uh, I, I, I think I, I'm pretty confident that I didn't have an ego. It was more like, um, it was just this, this rolling ball of music that we just wouldn't stop. So we would just let it be what it was when we wrote songs, you know, mm-hmm. um, even with St. Kane, it's like, you know, you come up with like, you know, all these ideas and then you're like, okay, you know, my bass player or my drummer, uh, you know, want to, want to do this part. And you're like, okay. And there's really, I don't remember really ever, um, butting heads or arguing uh, about writing the writing process with really any band. Um, especially, you know, this band, you know, especially Rebel at Dusk. I mean, you know, when we get, when we get in that studio, it is like, for, for me, it's the greatest feeling in the world. You know, you come to the table with music and these guys just come in there and, and, and embellish it with, uh, with gold for me. Um, it's great. Now, I can't wait to get the record done, but I, I, I bet, man, it's, it's what, but where do you, where do you see this? Obviously as a grown up now, not like, Hey, we're going to sell a million records and become the biggest yeah, rock yeah. band in the world. Like, like what is your, like, yeah, all have realistic goals now considering where we are at life, but like, what would be, what would, what would you love to see this band become? You know, mm-hmm. like, let me yeah. put it that way. Do you have a, do you have a vision of like, okay, this is what I, I would love to see this band do. <clears throat> obviously a tough question, so it's not going to be easily answered. No. It's probably going to sound like, you know, I, there's no disingenuous, you know, feelings, but it's, I want to just get the record done and <laughs> whatever it is, it is. Right. You know, it's, that's the, that's the thing. I want to get the record done because I know that these songs are, um, you know, they're special. Um, they come from a place that, uh, you know, is, is, is full of history and experience life experiences, you know, at our age. So um, I think that's going to make for a strong record. It is. I mean, that's, that's all you can do at this point. People are like, what do you want to do with this record? I'm like, I just want to release it. And whether yeah. anyone listens to it, I don't even care. I just want it out there. We'll see what happens. And whatever yeah, happens, that's up happens. To everybody else really. Of yeah. course I want it. You know, I'm listen, man, you know, people play the lottery a lot. People, go to the store, the bodega, and they drop 20, 50 bucks, maybe a hundred bucks on, on lottery tickets. Cause they, they're trying to get rich quick. So for me, um, the richness really is if people can enjoy the record. Yeah. That's, that's all I want that. And for me to like exercise the demon, like, okay, it's, it's out there finally. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it definitely scratches an itch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, well, I mean, you're, you're an artist in the truest form. You're not only a musician, but you're an artist, you're a tattoo artist. Um, yeah. And I mean, you've been tattooing professionally probably longer than I think you have been right. Um, 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. Since, uh, six. Yeah. 
so what what is there what parallels do they have the music world and the tattoo world like what you know obviously one is pays your bills which is great you know um probably just it instant satisfaction and, and, uh, you know, if you're drawing something custom, you know, it's the creativity, it's the, it's the writing, it's the drawing, sketching, designing, and then, you know, finalizing that wipe down is the, is, you know, the mixing. <laughs> yeah. But dude, there's and then no... when it walks out the door, it's on the radio. <laughs> right. Well, well, here's the thing, like with music, if you put something out, and you're like, well, all right, well, that didn't work. And, and, you know, maybe I fucked up that one part of that song. I really wish I did this a little bit better and stuff like that. But there's something very stressful. Anytime I've getting tattooed, whether by a couple of my friends over the years or the people that have tattooed me, man, there's a, a tremendous amount of pressure on you because like, dude, you're putting something that like probably can't be changed. You know, yeah, like, yeah. there's yeah. no, well, just like, there's just no like reuse, faith, man. Yeah. Yeah. Once it's out in the world on the airwaves, that's it. <laughs> oh yeah, but you could go back and remix the album, you know, or like you know, you could Yeah, but it's already heard. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. You go you got a point there, man, because like in any moment, like I've talked to tattoo artists and they're like, Oh shit and they're like in the middle of a tattoo and they realize they fucked something up and they're like, Oh <laughs> fuck, I gotta tell this person I just fucked this part up or how we gotta fix this. Like whole is there is there is that a pressure like in your head? Like or is it something you don't think about? Not anymore. I mean, you know, <laughs> If you go in there nervous, you're going to fuck it up. Yeah, true, um, true. I'm sure it was nerve wracking at first when you started like, yeah, I'm permanently inking this person's body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it. It's honestly, it's uh, it's quite therapeutic for me. Um, I, I, I don't mind getting up and going to work every morning. Um, yeah, it's stressful because you're, you're designing something. So that's work. Right. Um, and then, and then you're setting up that's work. And then you're, you know, you're, you're fucking tattooing somebody. And that's stressful too. It all seems so stressful, right? Right. But if you just don't think about that part and you just go, if you're just doing your job, you're focused and listen, man, you're, you're, you're in a room, you're wearing your fucking jeans and your t-shirt. You got candles going, you got your incense going, you got your music going, you got all your fucking cool shit up on your walls and shit. And you're with your boys and your, and your buddies and your, and your, your tattoo family at work and, it's not a bad time. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, you know, that's what I say. I'm like, man, do I want to play piano man tonight? Do I want to play like some of these songs that I play? But no, but I'm like, man, what a great, what a great way to yeah. earn a living. You know I mean? It could be doing something else and it always keeps us in a creative headspace for our, our, our other, what we really want to do is create. For music, sure. Yeah. You know, keeps and you in really that truly, No matter what you're doing, like even if you're doing like the most boring tattoo um, and that's 50% of my, tattooing career right um, I'm not gonna lie you know but at the end of the session when that person is looking in the mirror and they're like thank yeah. you so much and they're yeah. smiling that, that's that's not something that makes you feel good you know yeah, yeah I, that's what it is I mean you're, you're giving something to somebody and you're brightening their day like even if it's me just playing you know a song I played a hundred times you know and I'm just yeah. oh man do yeah. I want to play this song again do I want to I want to draw another butterfly on a person you know like like you don't, but like when you realize what that means to that person, you're like, all right, get the fuck out of your own head and like appreciate that you've been able to give somebody really something cool. Yeah, to it them. is. It's always so personal. It's every fucking day. It's always so personal because you're, you're hearing their stories and you're, it, you, you know, if you, if you were 
you know, <clears throat> uh, an empath, you would, you would, it would blow your mind. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's, you're listening to people's reasons why they're doing what they're doing yeah. that day, you know? Yeah, man. But that's, and then we're like, man, we're, I'm very lucky. And you're like, all right, get out of your shit yeah. and like realize how lucky you are, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. You know, we, we are one of the very, listen, we've, we've been in the, in the music industry where, you know, we've had record deals and we've toured with our, or with our idols. Yeah. That's such a very small percentage of people, not just in music, but in, in, in general to be able to be into the world, that world, you know, I've accepted being, I I was, uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, I was very depressed after, um, being dropped from Universal uh, with with Dropbox, um, it was a very depressing time of my life for uh, for quite a few years after that. <clears throat> and um, you know, with with that all being said, fast forwarding um, to this sort of eureka moment where you accept it and you say, you know what, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and I I did that, and not a lot of people can say that they did that. And I found this acceptance that I, I've never really understood that feeling um, because I was always such a fucking hustler and a fucking go-getter, <laughs> and a, you know, that yeah. um, I accepted not defeat, but the accomplishment. Um, because when you die, the only thing that is going to make you live forever is how you leave it. Yep. And that's so important. So more, that's so much more important than the other shit that we've been told that is more important or that we stress about on a daily basis. It's like, that's that's not important. Let me, let me ask you this. And I always like to ask my musical guests this, like, what was your like moment where you're like, how the, how the fuck did I get here? You know, like, like, holy shit moment, you know, cause I had a few holy shit moments. Like singing on stage with, with, with typo or like, you know, being on tour with Zach or, you know, those moments where you're like, Holy fuck. How did I get here? Like, is there one that sticks out or at least the first one that comes to your mind? Like, Holy shit. How did I get here? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know that you, I mean, with all the things that you've done in your career, it's, you you probably always talk about that in your own head. You're like, yep, that was fucking, that was ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, me and my, actually, actually, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you know, we met James Hetfield. Yeah, we met Trenton Reznor, um, Andy Johns, producer for Zeppelin, the yeah. whole thing. But I think, honestly, <laughs> the funniest part, um, you know, and, and again, I love Sully, man. We, it, it, they were just, they're just a good rock band to me, dude. You know, their they're longevity, um, it's no fucking frills, dude. Um, they're like the ACDC of our time. I they think are. that they are a, a fucking rock band. There's no bullshit. Um, that's why they can headline fucking, uh, festivals. But, but anyway, so me and my drummer are down, uh, Sully's basement and we're, we had to sleep over that night cause we were doing some kind of, uh, uh, some studio work. Um, this is Dropbox. Yeah. And, um, we're just we're fucking chilling on the couch. I'm like ready to pass out and we're watching the TV and, uh, that Navy commercial comes on. You know, it's that Godsmack, you know, com- commercial. And I'm, I'm fucking laughing cause Bobby goes, dude, 
we're we're down the basement of the guy who wrote that song that's on the TV right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking like Bobby's like one of the funniest dudes ever. So like it just the way he said it was just fucking hilarious. So I was fucking dying laughing for like an hour. But it's that's the surreal funniness of it, you know, because it can happen to a there's a fucking million bands out there that are fucking working and better than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and it's like it's insane to, to know that you like, that's your, your, your legacy in life is to, is you're doing the dream yeah for a quick moment as it may be. Right. Well, all, all of us, all of us in, in there, man. And we have that moment, but like on a sidebar, like, you know how much money they must've made from the getting, <laughs> getting paid to <laughs> use that song. Well, that was the booster, man. Yeah. That was, that's, that's, that's called good fucking management. Yeah. <laughs> Because the the Navy just licensed your song for like <laughs> years, and that's all you heard. And I always, I used because <laughs> it was just a din din din, din. and I always we yeah, used to go, it. it would go like that, and I would just go din din din, din join the Navy, din din din, yep. din join the Navy. It was like yep, so yep, subliminal. Yep. Every time I heard that, like I used to sing sing that, and everyone's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Dude, that's what it's saying is din din din, din join the Navy." You know, it's so funny. I'm like, dude, that's those are the things like. Even if you never have a hit song, at least you could have a licensing deal like that. Like, all right, we just yeah. got paid. Or it's like a commercial. Like when you see like Rat in a commercial nowadays or Doc in a yeah. commercial. Like, oh dude, my God. Those that dudes was, like get paid. Like they they'll so give them great. like a million dollars for that shit. They're like, here's a million, bu- million bucks. That was great. I loved it. I'm like, that's what that's what I want. I'm like, I don't even care about the hit. Let's license this song out for something, you know? Oh, dude, it's yeah. so so funny. But like, I mean, life 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 is crazy, man. And I'm I'm glad that you're still like, like you didn't get um, jaded because we know way too many people in this business um, that got jaded because their moment didn't happen, or that yeah. one yeah. moment didn't happen, and then they they dwell on like. Fuck! It should have happened. Why didn't it happen? It's like, it, well, it didn't, bro. I know. You know, and then if just, anything, it's everybody else around you that say that that repeats that that quote. You know, it's I can't I can't believe you didn't. You know, yeah. Get to this part, blah blah. You know, and it's usually you know it's funny. It's usually my dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's all you know. He's so he you know obviously so proud and 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 he can't you know he can't ever stop talking about it and you know, especially the moments where I brought him out on, uh, you know, for some shows and stuff. And, um, you know, he's like, Oh man, that, why is that band out there doing that? And I can't believe it wasn't that, you know, you know, it's not that he's like, you know, you know, saying anything negative, but he's just like, man, I can't believe that, you know, with that, your voice. and blah, 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 you know? Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the pride thing as, as a father, like you'll have that when your kid gets older doing what they yeah. do and they do them. be like, man, I, because they believe in you so much, you know, and they're so incredibly, Which, by proud. the way, not to cut you off, but you have to give Ryder, my, my, my son, a piano lesson. Cause he plays piano. I, all right, man, I'm down. You gotta, you, I'm down. Yeah, you gotta I'm, do it. I'm starting to get my daughter, um, piano lessons on because everyone's like, are you giving her lessons? I'm like, no, I'm kind of yeah. letting her, I'm letting her come to music on her own. You know, I, yeah, don't, sure. I don't force it on her. Everyone thinks I'm forcing the music upon her, but she's like, she's finding it on her own. And finally one day she comes and she's like, dad, I want to learn. So we got this, uh, I've never really taught anybody, 
you know, I was taught by my mother and then I took lessons. So I've never like given formal lessons. So I found this mm-hmm. app and you put it on her iPad and it basically shows you how to do it. And I'm like, got it all set up. But, you know, uh, yeah. the, past, the past six months is always, you know, getting back to school and then what school is like now is so different because every week we don't know if like, oh, we're going to get a call today saying that she's got to get quarantined because there was exposure yeah, yeah, at yeah. school, you know, she's going to be home for a week or, you know, it, yeah. everything, it, it, trying to navigate into this new little rhythm has been a little bit harder. So, but she, I've been recording her since she was three. She always went, daddy, I got a new song. I want to sit down. She does. So like, I don't even need to write it down. So I come in and I put, put everything up on my studio and hit record. And she's like, all right. And I'm like, all right. And I leave the room. And then she's like, I'm done, dad. And I literally have folders and folders and folders of her just yeah, yeah. doing her I have stuff. the same thing on my iPhone. I mean, Ryder will go up to the keyboard and he seems to have always had this like approach to, 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 to playing. And I, I'm saying he's writing because he is. He, he'll, he records it on his iPad. Um, he's got a very sad, melancholy sort of feel to things. Um, which is fascinating because you're like, dude, you're set, you're six and a half. <laughs> right. like, like, where's the sadness coming from? And um, <clears throat> these notes just seem to go to that direction. It's never a, a poppy, he- like happy, jumpy thing. Yeah. It's very, you know, Moonlight Sonata sort of chords. Oh. And you're like, wow. Th- w- w- huh? Yeah. Like, where's that coming and from? And then he'll catch the melody and he'll repeat it. And then he'll change it a little bit, but then he'll go. And he names these songs like crazy names, like, uh, you know, the Raven, the dark Raven or something like that. And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. The fascinating thing is to watch our kids create and what they're, how they come up with these titles and like to watch their, their very infant creative brain work is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so cool. If I could just put electrodes on his head and look at it on a computer, I'd like to see what that what happens while he's writing. Right, right. And the, 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 have the ability, especially now, because I didn't have that ability. I know I had a, like a little tape recorder and I used to sing stuff into. Uh, but I don't think my daughter realizes how much recorded material I have of her. She's, I think at some point she's like, holy shit, Dad, you've been recording me. Yeah, same. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't, I mean, not that I'm looking to be like, one of these days is going to be worth millions of dollars. No, I'm just trying to preserve yeah. this because this is awesome. You yeah, know, and then someday yeah. we'll able to look back on her or uh, someday when she's older or, you know, like one day I'm going to be, you know, I won't be here and she'll be able to have this ability to go back and have this connection. Be like, this is of me. And, this is me well, and dad. One of the things that I'm looking forward to is, is having my father, my father plays, he's, he's been in a rock band since, you know, since I can remember, um, he's almost 80 and he still plays. He sings like, he's got a voice like Joe Cocker, Leslie West. That's and awesome. um, he plays a left-handed EB3, you know, and uh, I want to have my father and, and writer um, and River on the record. So like, you know, three generations on one song. Yeah, that is, you can't, yeah. That's something you definitely want. You know, because that's, yeah, that, those those are moments that before you know it, you won't have that opportunity to do something like that. And then yeah. that's something you can't, you can't recreate. So it's like, all right, I want to do this. 
It's just yeah. this lineage. I mean, the beauty, beautiful thing about what we do is that with music is that hundreds of years from now, someone, we're going to live forever, dude. You know, someone's going to stumble upon Wishbone by Dropbox. Someone's going to stumble upon My World by Brand New Sin. Uh, yeah. And hundreds of years from now, long after we're gone and they're going to be, and, and all of a sudden we're alive again. We're alive. We never, yeah. we never yeah. die. Like we're like with your tattoo, somebody will eventually be in the ground. It'll become worm food. Right. <laughs> you know, Yeah. but with music, man, it lives forever. Music and, and like an art that goes on a wall or in a book, you know, words, we get to live forever, man. Yeah, that's it. That is true. I, I say that all the time. We're, we're very, very lucky, man. So, well, I don't want, I don't want to take you too much longer. You know, me and Derek were talking about you last week because I've had Derek. Oh on the, God, I, I love Derek. I've had Derek on the podcast twice. Last week we talked about music because the first time I had him on was a two part. Um, and he dumped his soul. Like I didn't realize how dark things had got for Derek and Derek came on here and really bared it all to the point where yeah. it was just like my jaw was on the floor the entire time. Like really dude, I didn't realize you were like, that was what you were struggling with all those years. He's like, yeah, I'm like, holy shit. But we talked about, it. he's like, dude, we still have, we, we got this great rock band. We've never done it. Like, why have we, why have we not done thread me, you and Costco and me. And I think Joey was involved too. And I'm like, man, we have so many, we were like at some point, bro, at some point. But yeah, I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's, it's something that I, I do think about. Um, Derek, for me, um, when I first heard Seamless, um, uh, I, I called up uh, my buddy John, who was my bass player at the time, and I'm like, dude, you got to come over and fucking listen to this band. And we watched the video and we were like, how do we get that guy? <laughs> and it's before we had our other drummer. And it took years, um, and we wound up, you know, you know, hooking up and stuff like that. And Derek actually came down and, and jammed, I think twice. Um, but, um, you know, you know, we, we, we were, I guess it just didn't work out. And, uh, but he is so brilliant and, um, the guy's a monster. He's an absolute monster. He's one of the best drummers, musicians that I've ever known. Um, he, and he definitely, he hits so sport. hard. He hits so hard. There's very few people that but hit that it, hard. He's great to watch also. And, and it's just, and you know, it's a curse will fucking lick too. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like I can tell Larkin, you know, I've jammed with Shannon Larkin yeah. before and it, it was just, it's just like, what the hell? And Derek is the same way, man. He's just he's mind blowing. It is man. So, Again, the name of the new project that'll eventually come out so I can so everyone can hear it. I mean, they're gonna find Dropbox, they're gonna find Saint Cain and the and the in this one. I keep forgetting. I'm sorry, we keep talking about so much stuff. What's the new project? This is Rebel at Dusk. Rebel at Dusk. You guys got Rebel, Rebel. Rebel Rebel. Rebel Rebel at Dusk. Oh, I like that. I like that. Dude. That's all. I'm. I'm glad you're still. You're. You're still kicking at it, like, dude. I don't think anyone's ever going to take that fight out of us, regardless. No, you know? no. It's who we are. Like some people. I don't know how some people walk away from music. Like we. We both have friends that were in bands, and then all of a sudden they just like walked away, and they're just doing something else in life. I'm like, which is all well and good. That makes them happy. But I, for me, I'm like, how? How did you do that? How do you? How do you just walk well, away my, from my it? Dad- 
almost 80 and he hasn't stopped yet. So I can't really, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, can't know, really I don't know how to do it, man, but you know, it's, it's who we are, man. It's who we are. And we'll, and we'll be, we'll be kicking until the day they can't, until we can't kick no more. Right. That's, that's exactly what it's going to be, man. If my dad can do it till he's 80, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, um, like I said, with, with Revel at dusk, it's going to be, you know, we're, it's just a lot of writing. It's a lot of back and forth. Um, it's a great time while we're doing it, but uh, I, I think it's going to be worth it, man. It will be. It will be. All right, man. I'm going to let you get on with your Sunday. I'm going to do the same since I'm still in quarantine till Thursday. So I got. Bro, feel better. Uh, I feel better. I just can't go anywhere. <laughs> when, I, when we get this record out, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start sending licks back and forth for, oh. uh, for, uh, for Thread. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? Wait, and then the other thing is you're, you got to come and do, you got to come sing harmony and play on the record. Oh, dude, you, you name it. I'm there, man. I'm there. All right. All right, man. Good. All Good. right. Take care, John. We'll be in touch, man. Let's keep in touch. All right, Joe. I'll talk All right. to you. All right. There you go, man. What a great conversation. I mean, you can hear just John's such a genuine guy, you know, and the times that we've hung out. Here's the thing, like in the music business, we don't always necessarily need to see each other all the time to have this friendship. There's something about when you become connected with another musician, whether you tour with them or you, you, you strike up a friendship because of mutual friends in the business, you, you feel like you see them all the time. I don't know how to describe the connection that you get when you meet a fellow musician, whether it's in town or someone across the country, but you, once you're connected with that person, you're never not connected. And that was one thing, John and I always just hit it off. We always had fun, whether we were in, in the, at the bar, the Starland ballroom in Jersey after our set and hanging out and watching the headliner that night and just having a blast or the time. I remember another time when John and I were together, we were doing uh, brand new sin and seamless were doing a show and like I want to say like Hoboken, New Jersey, and John came out and we were in the crowd singing along with Seamless as they were headlining that night. Um, we just what a great dude, what a great conversation. I cannot wait to hear what he and uh, Revel at Dusk are doing with Sully from Godsmack, and I can't wait to be a part of that. It'll be so fucking cool. So, guys, go back and follow the lineage of. Um, Dropbox in St. Cain and keep an eye on Revel at Dust. All the links will be in the socials and you can also check out John's tattoo work. I don't know. I can't remember his tattoo shop, but that'll also be tagged in the socials of this. Uh, so if you're ever looking to get some great tattoo work, man, and you're living on the East Coast, man, go down and visit John. John's not only a great singer, but he's a great tattoo artist on top of it. We didn't even really talk about that too much. Um, but so we'll have to have him back at some point. Again, shout outs to my sponsors, EJA Services, Advantage Hardwood Floors, and Jason Allen and the Royal Auto Group. You heard there's ads throughout it, throughout this entire podcast. If you're listening and you want to be a part of the ads, you want to promote your business, you want to promote an event, you want to promote anything, you just want to say happy birthday to your girlfriend, to your wife, any of that stuff. It can all be worked into this podcast. We got a lot of ears on this thing. Uh, and also, when you do that, you support this podcast. You enable me to be able to keep turning these microphones on, to pay my producer, and to keep moving this forward as it grows. So everybody, be safe. As you heard, I'm overcoming COVID. I'm going to be okay. We'll talk about that another day. Um, 
Uh, by the time you heard this, I'm out of quarantine. Thank God. So everybody be good. Be safe. Be well. Be you. I love you. Take care. Peace. Yeah.